War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, good afternoon. Right now, it is 106 on this Friday, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Again, it's 106 on this Friday, and this portion of the show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You know, it was just two weeks ago, I was sitting out on that deck at the Lodge, enjoying delicious clam cakes and chowder. You know, they have the outdoor air conditioning. Right now, if you're on 146, just think, you could be at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Whether it's inside or outside with their new deck, but uh, delicious food, consistently great. They have the nice lounge there. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, in the background, you can hear an announcement. Juan is on the move. A little bit of uh, travel during this uh, summertime. All good, though, and um, there's a guest I'm going to be meeting with over the weekend that you're going to want to hear on Monday's show. It'll be in the news, but you want to hear that on Monday. So, but at 107 on this Friday, I do want to point out that this news is just starting to trickle out that Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos has now pulled out of she won't debate the other Democrat candidates for lieutenant governor. Now, granted, it's a Democrat primary. It's lieutenant lieutenant governor. <clears throat> they did the Channel 12 debate, and they're scheduled to do a Channel 10 debate, and now Matos won't. Uh, that is unacceptable. Uh, she doesn't have the right to do that, by the way. She wasn't elected lieutenant governor. She was appointed lieutenant governor. She released a poll that shows that she's in the lead, and so what, what really came out during the debate was, number one, and I'm not being mean, I'm calling it as I see it, she has trouble with the English language. I'm going to say it again. And I know that English is not her first language. And it comes out in a debate, and I don't say this cruelly, I, I am being an umpire in calling balls and strikes and telling you exactly what I observed. The lieutenant governor, it's one thing maybe if she was in a setting or she's reading something, but when she's in a debate situation, there were different examples that she misinterpreted what the words mean. And, you know, I have found when they put her out and Governor McKee, let's face it, he trots her around as a little puppet And the whole reason she was chosen is he feels that, number one, female, number two, Latina, that she will help him get, she's from Oneyville, votes out of Providence. That's why she was chosen. And there were other people that thought they were going to be chosen until McKee threw them overboard and grabbed her. But for those of you that have followed, I had a, a back and forth with her, so to speak, wasn't volatile or anything, but it was at a press conference, and I asked her the distinction between being a U.S. citizen and a Rhode Island citizen. And what I found, and I have posted the video and I'll post it again, is she didn't know the meaning of the word. She didn't understand distinction. So there's certain words she knows, but that Channel 12 debate, at times, 
She's difficult to understand. The questions are fast. They were from Tim White, Ted Nisi, and also her opponents. And she was not comfortable. And so now, and from what I understand, Governor McKee calls all the shots with that office. He selected her. He has yay or nay. <clears throat> that they're afraid that they will expose the fact. And I don't say this in a mean way. I am being, as someone that observed it and watched it, I'm even going to edit and pull up different cuts. You, you have to go back and listen because at times what she's saying is inaudible. And she also misunderstands things because it's English as a second language. English is not her primary language. So their solution to the McKee people is they're saying, well, she's not doing any more debates. <clears throat> now, part of it, now that's the problem of Deborah Giro and also of Cynthia Mendez, who was actually very aggressive towards her. But Lieutenant Governor Matos, what, what I find, and you should understand, I know you could say, Juan, listen, she's a Democrat, is Lieutenant Governor, who cares? You know, the fact is, as I said, she, she wasn't even elected to the position. That was like Governor McKee is a, a balking about debating. You weren't elected. You were appointed to the position. If Governor Raimondo had been passed over by the Biden people, McKee is still lieutenant governor. And he's just in the primary as lieutenant governor. And he might have actually been better off as opposed to the failed incumbent. But I'm going to say that it's one thing you're elected. And there are certain things, you know, let's go through the list. If you're elected, if you're elected with a majority, that certainly carries more weight. That's why it was so important to Raimondo in 2018 that she got so many mail ballots. Gina Raimondo had 60,000 mail ballots in 2018. 60,000. <clears> she got 200,000 votes against Cranston Mayor Alan Fung. Why was that? Was she suddenly very popular? No. She wanted it so she could say she had a mandate. And granted, you know, Joe, I will still argue, Joe Trillo definitely helped Ramundo, intentionally or unintentionally, in that election by the fact that he took a lot of votes, actually, from Mayor Fung in the city of Warwick, where Joe Trillo um, was from, had one, you know, run for office and won and had some some uh, voter base but it's the two of them no i don't think she has the right to say i'm not going to debate she if there had been an election she wouldn't have been elected lieutenant governor that was a situation it was a contest and it was tim white saying let's face it it was a little challenging when you were selected as lieutenant governor meaning the process was not smooth first the mckee people would not release the top 10 then they did release the top 10 then I think they wouldn't release the top five. Then they did release the top five. James Diosa, who's running for treasurer, the former mayor of Central Falls, he was running around telling everyone he was going to be the lieutenant governor until McKee <coughs> left him at the altar and selected her. But so what Tim White, what they were saying was that wasn't that was a little challenging the way it was selected. And she said, yes, we had challenges. No, no, no. That's not what he was saying. He's not saying. When you were brought in, there were various challenges. He was saying the process, but she didn't know. She didn't understand. And she didn't understand because there's a language barrier. 
Now, right now, 114 on this Friday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I will have something, folks, posted on this later tonight on the website, DePietro.com, which is right away the Coesed Inn. Stop in and see them. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. A great meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. The media won't bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. She has seemingly problems with the English language and definitions of things. And I want to be very clear about something. I don't think that's racist to say that. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. It's not a reflection on someone's um, IQ or ability. And I say that firsthand as someone that spent a month in Eastern Europe and had language barriers and problems. When, when I had problems in Poland and Ukraine trying to understand people, it didn't mean because I was stupid. I don't think so. It doesn't mean because I had a low IQ. I didn't take it as racist. It's because I didn't speak the blanking language. I didn't speak Polish and I certainly didn't speak Ukraine or Ukrainian, whatever it is. So, so to say this, it, it's not, you know, there, there are some on the left that anytime anyone is criticized, they, they call you a racist. If you criticize State Senator Tierra Mack, they th- in their twisted mind, they think that makes you a racist if anyone criticizes someone of color. But Lieutenant Governor Matos, El Rongo, now that I think, but that's coming from the McKee people. I, I'll go a step further. She's not deciding that. And I'm going to now look for places where she's going to be. <clears throat> she has some things to answer for. And another thing that, since we're on this topic at 1.15 on this Friday, August 5th, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. She has an undisclosed conflict with a high-powered lobbyist. And I just wonder why she doesn't disclose that conflict. Lieutenant Governor Matos has a unique relationship with a high-powered lobbyist who happens to be the city solicitor in Central Falls. And I'm just wondering, why hasn't she disclosed that to the public? Because there are various things that happen with Central Falls in her office, and it would certainly make sense to disclose that. And folks, while we're on the topic, look at what happened, and I want to commend the Boston Globe, Rhode Island edition, for the conflicts that they've highlighted that we'll probably talk about on Monday and next week regarding the commerce vote. That it just happens to be that the law firm, the lawyer who represents commerce, who wanted the deal, just happens to be from the same law firm where two of the lobbyists from the business. And folks, I don't know about you, I, I've had it with this business of the steel wall. <clears throat> we don't discuss this. You know, that is such a joke. The, the two attorneys, as part of being in a law firm, you sign a pledge, vow, whatever it is, an agreement that you will do whatever's in the best interest of the law firm. So you're not going to submarine a project. And for them to say, these attorneys, oh, no, we don't even discuss it. it no, absolutely. That, that, that is like when John Harwood, who is the Speaker of the House, and his law firm with uh, Dan, um, what was his name? The other attorney, McKinnon, I think. Yeah, Harwood McKinnon. Oh, no, we don't discuss at the time Lincoln Greyhound. Nope. 
Don't discuss. Well, no, excuse me. Your partner's in a firm. You're the Speaker of the House, and your partner has the deal for, for Lincoln Dog Track. And so every time that they would get more of those at the time, those video gaming machines in, it, it helped the law firm. And the law firm could charge more. And the law firm could get more fees. And what did Harwood McKinnon you say? Oh, nope, not at all. Nope, we don't discuss business. That, that, that's asinine. Never mind. You know, it's not like they're in a big, he's on the fifth floor and the other one's on the third floor. They were sharing an office and blanking for Pawtucket, for crying out loud. Folks, right now it's 118 on this Friday. Again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. Uh, that's wrong. And I'm not a fan of, you know, Deborah Giro. I ran into her a couple of weeks ago at that political cookout. And she said, so what do you think my chances are? And I said, well, you know, you're, you're going to get buried in Providence. You're going to get crushed in Providence with the mail ballots. And she dismissed it like, oh, you Republicans and your mail ballots. Well, it's not my imagination. That is how they're going to do it. Um, and look at how now Matos won't debate her. But I believe that's coming from Governor McKee. Because they also, they don't want her to have to answer questions about Governor McKee. They don't want Sabina Matos. And I think the questioners, um, and I like Tim White, Ted Nisi. I respect those guys. I like those guys. They could have asked about the FBI probe. I don't think they did. That Cynthia Mendez was pretty aggressive. So much of the debate became about abortion rights and women's rights to choose. But they could have got into the McKee administration a little bit. Definitely could have done that. So, but after seeing that, Sabina Matos, who is the sitting current elected lieutenant governor, she was not elected. Uh, she shouldn't be in the position. Listening to her, it's hard to believe. You can hear some announcements in the background. It's hard to believe that she is the person in waiting should something happen to the governor. She's not qualified. She doesn't have the skill set. She doesn't have the leadership ability. It's not a matter of gender. It's not a matter of her ethnic background. It's no reflection. She was the head of the Providence City Council. But I think it speaks volumes. And I don't think that she should have the right to not debate. I'm just wondering if she's going to carry this, if she wins the primary, into the general. And she may win the primary. She might. I mean, it would be interesting if she won and then McKee, excuse me, lost, lost the primary, which he could. That could absolutely happen, by the way. But for Sabina Matos, the lieutenant governor, now, I also want to be very clear. I am not, I'm not saying, oh, so you're, you're with Deborah Giro. And also, Deborah Giro, I, I worked with her down the dial. She worked on the trail. I think they're doing some kind of a debate with her. I certainly hope they're going to acknowledge that she's a former employee there. And she also, I think, handles several advertising accounts at that do business on the stations there. So I don't know. I certainly would think that would be at least acknowledged that there's somewhat of a conflict. It's not that there's no relationship there. But 
Folks, that shows you to me just how nervous the McKee administration is. Now, right now, folks, at 122, and again, I will have um, uh, something, a posting on this on the website probably tonight or tomorrow at some point. But the fact that um, I will have that, but I think this Governor McKee is pulling it out. They were uncomfortable with her appearance in the debate. I'm going to lift different clips. You can be the judge. You can't, you can't understand her. And many times when she has been at a briefing, she doesn't make news. Whatever she reads, she's just reading. She's not thinking off the cuff. She uses improper grammar. She doesn't use proper tense as far as past, current. Um, she, she makes a lot of mistakes. And that Channel 12 debate was the first time that the McKee people ever got to see her in a true debate setting. And she didn't do well. So what's their solution? Not for her to work harder. Not for her to prepare more. Their solution, that's it. No more debates. No more debates for Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. That's not the solution. They're going to try. They're going to try to hide her between now and the election day. So when I see her and go to an event, I have several questions I'd like to ask her. And one of the thing is, she should be debating. She wasn't elected to that. Now, if she tries to pull this in the general, if she wins the primary, she not even may not even win the primary. <clears throat> but if she tries to pull this in the general, well, then I think the media should be very aggressive. Then this is someone, again, hasn't been elected to anything. And I think, you know, I would argue there is a difference. Now, folks, just some other news at 123. And again, visit our website, DePetro.com. Brought to you by Senadale Revival. It's Friday night. Tonight, there'll be live entertainment. 2025 Smith Street, North Providence. Shane and his crew, they are ready for the weekend. Whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks, or brunch on Sunday. Live entertainment Friday and Saturday. Senadale Revival, right across from North Providence Town Hall. And right next door, Stella Sweets. Delicious treats and ice cream and pastry. Stella Suites, the Senadale Revival. It's happening right there across from North Providence Town Hall. Well, it's 124. It's Friday afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, the media has been trying to say January 6th has helped President Trump. January 6th has hurt President Trump. January 6th, that's it. He can't run again. It's over. He doesn't have the juice he he once had. He's losing momentum. Blah, blah, blah. Except his candidate just won in Arizona. President Trump's candidates, not all of them, but he is having influence. And in Arizona, his endorsed uh, candidate, she won the Republican primary for governor. And also the endorsed candidate for secretary of state. Folks, in certain states, they're tightening up election reform. Rhode Island, I am telling you right now, I've been saying it, I'm going to be saying it between now and the primary. Our elections are not legitimate. Early voting starts in less than three weeks. That's ludicrous. The primary is September 13th. Early voting starts Wednesday, August 20th. That is not the way it's supposed to operate. 20 days of early voting. That is a joke. You know, this is also a good example to me. Or, 
you know, do you want just the most people that have voted or do you want to have an accurate result? If you want to have an accurate result, you can't do 20 days of early voting. You can't have all these mail ballots. You can't have a non-transparent voter roll the way Nellie Gobea has. But I am telling you now, as I've been telling you all along, Nellie Gobea has been plotting and planning this for years since she got into that office. You know, I spoke out in 20, 2015, seven years ago. She had a big ceremony at the Rhode Island State House for a Dominican, a Dominican organization, and they celebrated. They had registered 25,000 new voters. Now, are those people really Rhode Island residents? No, they're not. They're people that have come to Rhode Island from the Dominican Republic. They spend some time here, but they go back and forth. But they're really not Rhode Island citizens, but they put them on the voter rolls. And she's got all that information. So, and her chief of staff is running for mayor of Providence, Gonzalo Cuervo. So, and that kicked off this year, which was at the beginning of the year. He left. He was her chief of staff. Their plan, and I believe they're working together, is they're going to use the same voter information. He's going to get himself elected or try to mayor of Providence. And she's going to try to get herself elected at least to win the Democrat primary. That is their plan. And their big base of operation are registered people they've registered to vote in Providence. The thing about ballot harvesting that a lot of people don't understand. And folks, and again, good afternoon. It's 128. You're listening to the John DePietro show on this Friday. A big part of ballot harvesting that a lot of people don't understand is the fact that they're also registering the people to vote. They're registering them to vote. No one is turned away. They go right into the system. According to the census, there are 60,000 illegals living just in Providence alone. When you add on Pawtucket, when you add on Central Falls, when you add on other pockets, Winsocket, Parts of Cranston, right on the Providence line. West Warwick, parts of Johnston on the Providence line. Part of Newport now, down into that area. They believe there are over 100,000 illegals living in the state. Somewhere about 10% of our population, it might even be a little bit more. But my point is, none of them are kicked off the voter rolls. They make it too easy. They register them to vote. They get them on. They have their information, and then they cast a ballot in their name. Some of the people that registered to vote from the D- Dominican Republic, do I think in September that they're going to go wait in line at the polls or go and cast and vote? Absolutely not. No, they're probably not even here. They're back in the DR. They don't care. What do they care? They were staying somewhere in Providence. Then maybe they gave them a gift card. They signed them up to vote. That's all they, they don't care. And there's so much of that going on. All right, folks, in 30 seconds, we're going to take a break. Now, again, um, big news, obviously, is this um, situation. Now, the Alex Jones case, again, we're going to follow that. I'm going to have more on that. Also, you're going to hear my interview with uh, Peter Navarro, the great Peter Navarro, who's our friend of the program. 
and then a lot more. So right now at 1.30 on this Friday, it's John DePietro. We're going to send you back to the studio, take a quick break with the great Jeff Gamach. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing. Ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button. And remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus. And remember, with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508 252 3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. It's Friday. It's August 5th. So there's a lot of talk about uh, what should happen with this uh, basketball star who is uh, certainly in a lot of trouble overseas. That doesn't sound very promising. Nine years of hard labor is what Brittany Gritnia would have to do. I want to play. This is the Today Show report on it. We're going to start with new developments just coming in this morning concerning Brittany Griner and a new movement toward a possible prisoner swap with Russia. That country's foreign minister saying overnight Russia is, quote, ready to discuss the topic. Secretary of State Antony Blinken responding a short time ago saying the U.S. will be, quote, pursuing it. Let's get right to NBC's chief foreign affairs correspondent Andrea Mitchell with the very latest. Andrea, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. Well, this is a case the administration says should never have gone forward. Griner sentenced after pleading guilty, admitting she had packed in a hurry, accidentally throwing cannabis oil vape cartridges less than a gram into her bag when she flew to Russia earlier this year. The Biden administration says it'll continue to work around the clock until she and fellow detainee Paul Whelan are back on American soil. And overnight, a signal from the Russians, they are willing to talk. WNBA superstar Brittany Griner now staring down a lengthy sentence for drug possession and smuggling. Nine years in a Russian penal colony, just shy of the maximum, despite her pleas for leniency. I had no intent to break any Russian laws. I made an honest mistake, and I hope that in your ruling that it doesn't end my life here. I know everybody keeps talking about political pawn and politics, but I hope that that is far from this courtroom. Back home, her team, the Phoenix Mercury, pausing for a moment of silence before the tip-off Thursday night. Fans responding with shouts of, bring her home. The focus of her fate could lie in Cambodia, where Secretary of State Antony Blinken and his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, are at a security forum. Overnight, Lavrov saying Moscow was open to further talks on a prisoner swap. Blinken responding. They are prepared to engage through channels we've established to do just that, and we'll be pursuing that. Caged in the courtroom, Griner also speaking directly to her fans in Russia, where she plays in the off-season. I want to apologize to my teammates. 
President Biden calling on Russia to release her immediately so she can be with her wife, loved ones, friends, and teammates. I couldn't imagine being in that situation, and, and she was so courageous. The president has approved a proposal to trade convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Boot for Griner and Paul Whelan, an American businessman who's already spent four years in a Russian jail. It's a, a, not a great environment, and I think he just needs to focus on the day-to-day -day survival. Russia's counteroffer, along with Boot, sent home Vadim Krasikov, a Russian spy jailed in Germany for murder. What do you think was going on there? We think this is a bad faith attempt by the Russians, uh, knowing that it's not a serious counteroffer, uh, just to cloud up the waters. Griner's team plans to appeal the decision, which they say is absolutely unreasonable. Now the question, is Vladimir Putin ready to make a deal for Griner and the jailed American businessman? Savannah? Mm. I don't know. That is a tough one. That's a tough one to be in. The downside, nine and a half years at a Soviet work camp. You know, I also, I think I heard 90, it's a high number. I'm not going to get it, but 95% of people that if you go to court, if you go to court in Russia, I think 95% of defendants are found guilty. It may even be higher. It might even be 99%. Folks, also, how about former Vice President Dick Cheney? Out with a commercial. He's got his cowboy hat on. And he's really going after President Trump. Now, obviously, he's trying to help and save his daughter, Liz Cheney, who seemingly, I don't see how they're going to save her. She's going to go down and defeat. She's getting pummeled in her primary. And President Trump, big winner out in Arizona. His endorsed candidate won the gubernatorial primary. So you, you cannot say that his... His uh, sway is weak. As much as the media wants to say that, his person won. The person Mike Pence was backing lost. But let me play it. We haven't heard from him in a while. Here is, uh, you know, it's amazing. This was Mr. Halliburton. This was the person that the the media, they, they despised Vice President Dick Cheney. But here he is coming out with a commercial swinging at... President, President Trump. Dick Cheney is calling former President Donald Trump a coward in a new television ad supporting his daughter Liz Cheney in her re-election campaign. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to Cheney goes on to say about Trump, quote, he tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power. The ad comes with Liz Cheney in a hotly contested congressional race against Trump back to Turkey. She's going to lose. She is going to lose. And I don't think that, you know, the more you pour that on, I, I think, I, I don't think they realize that just makes him tougher. He's tough, and I don't think it's going to work. All right, it's Friday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, 
Call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. It's Friday. It is uh, August 5th. This portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Folks, a full-scale nursery and garden center. Stop it and see them. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. They have a fantastic selection. My goodness. Vegetables. The biggest tomatoes you've ever seen, great zucchini and squash, cucumbers, PR landscape materials and garden center. And remember, if you're, you know, it's nice to have privacy for your property. It's even nicer as if you have a natural barrier. And check out, they they have abravite that can go to even 11 feet. I see sometimes people, they'll plant, you know, maybe, and they do have the three foot ones, but... How many years does that take as opposed to you could go and purchase them at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center? Look for them on Facebook. But then it's instant natural barrier, right? You don't need a fence. You just want a little more privacy. And it always looks nicer if you just have something planted. Stop it and see them. Steve and Debbie and Junior and Byron, they're open seven days a week. Folks, it's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Well, uh, folks, it is Friday and I want to... um, start off with uh, this situation again, that it's going to continue to play out. And we've talked about it, but it's the story with Alex Jones. And I, I'm i going to disagree with, I know some people are trying to say it's a freedom of speech issue. I, I don't I don't think it is a, um, uh, a freedom of speech issue. I don't think it is. I, I think this is a matter of, he dug himself into a hole. And, and I'll tell you, InfoWars... At one point, they, um, I mean, he, they were rolling at InfoWars. He was, I mean, the money was pouring in views and clicks. And, you know, at one point, he was everywhere. YouTube, he did very, really well. But things just got out of hand. And, and a problem for Alex Jones is this isn't, okay, it's over. He, he's got two big he he's first of all they're back in court again today and he's got two more cases after this but I want to play for you you know what he put those people through from with the Sandy Hook shooting it, it was unnecessary it was cruel his supporters calling up and and they they trusted him so this is just one family that's getting four million but there's more money coming I want to play there's a a good piece on this on the uh, the Today Show. They lost their young son in the Sandy Hook shooting. A Texas jury ordered far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to pay them more than $4 million for his false claims, calling the massacre a hoax. That number could go even higher with jurors weighing other damages today. NBC's Ann Thompson is on the story for us. Ann, good morning. Good morning. The vote was 10 to 2 to make Alex Jones pay for his lies. The money falling far short of what the parents asked for but their attorney says it's a good start. This morning, a victory for justice in the defamation trial of conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. And I will accept this as a verdict of the jury. 
A jury ordering the InfoWars host to pay $4.1 million for the lies he told about the 2012 Sandy Hook School Massacre that took the lives of 20 children and six educators. Sandy Hook is a synthetic, completely fake, with actors, in my view, manufactured. Alex Jones did not show up to hear the verdict, but the parents of six-year-old victim Jesse Lewis did. The same parents Jones claimed were so-called crisis actors and who brought the suit against him for the pain caused by his unfounded tales that it was all a hoax. I can't even describe the last nine and a half years of the living hell that I and others have had to endure because of the negligence and the recklessness of Alex Jones. Jesse was real. I am a real mom. And there's nothing that you could have found because it doesn't exist that I'm deep state. It's just not true. It was only this week during the trial Jones finally admitted it's 100% real. Hours after the verdict, Jones took to his InfoWars platform with this response. I admit I made a mistake. I admitted that I followed disinformation, but not on purpose. I apologize to the families and the jury understood that. What I did to those families was wrong, but I didn't do it on purpose. Jones went on to claim that's why he wasn't ordered to pay even more. Neil Heslin and Scarlett Lewis asked for $150 million in compensation. The jury's $4.1 million falling short of that number, but still far more than the $8 offered by Jones' attorney. A dollar for each claim. It's really, really nice to be able to turn and look at my clients and say he can't get off scot-free for this. He can't. And Anne, this could just be the beginning for legal problems. This was just one family suing. Well, he's got other lawsuits that he's facing from the other families. He also has two potential areas of real trouble from this case. One is a potential perjury charge for lying on the stand. And the other is the attorney for the family said they had, he had been contacted by the January 6th committee, which is looking into Jones's role in the rally and riot that happened at the Capitol. They want those text messages mm-hmm. that his attorney mistakenly turned over. And perjury and potentially criminal charge. Yeah, exactly. He was um, he was in the Oath Keepers, uh, they were kind of his uh, bodyguards. Again, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. The uh, Alex Jones, even if you're a supporter, even if you believe it was his First Amendment right, um, I, I think it's one thing when they, they took this tact as far as it was fake, it was staged, act, uh, crisis actors, the whole thing was made up. Uh, none of it was real. People believe that. That's one thing. I think we're uh, where they completely underestimated was then the people then started harassing the families. I think, I mean, I don't know, but I think that's a part that they, they didn't see coming. Because when they started with this and that Sandy Hook was all fake and that none of it was real and those were actors. And, and again, I, I remember in real time talking about this. Number one, I was live on the air when it happened. And we, that was the first time I'd ever used Twitter to kind of walk through, we totally uh, abandoned programming in, in a manner that, that I just went to repeating, you know, what I was seeing. And it was from credible Twitter sources, by the way, reporters in Connecticut media that were there on the scene as, as it was happening. But I do recall afterwards communicating with people and hearing from people. And I was thrown by that, like, well, like, what do you know, what are you talking about? 
what? No, you know, somebody, I, I don't remember exactly the names, but they were callers and they were almost like laughing. Like, you believe that, that those, because they had the small little, you know, white caskets for the children. Um, but so I think at the time, because as someone that has followed this, um, where, where some of these things stem from, I remember, you know, years ago being on the air and especially when it really flamed up was after 9-11 because they were big onto that. But with 9-11, there were so many different people. I mean, I had someone uh, call into my radio show at the time after 9-11. It was, a, you know, it was like the fall of 2001. And they were saying that those were, um, they were all mannequins on the planes and that the, the people on the planes were in Canada and that none of it, none of it happened. And and I remember afterwards, or someone calling in, this guy Tony from North Providence saying, that's an Alex Jones listener. And I think that was one of the first times I'd ever heard of him. And because you wondered, like, where is this coming from? Something I thought was just totally preposterous. They were 100% in on that 9-11 was. The, the government had done it. The government was behind it. Um, they were... They were big on that and, and went deep on it, is what I, I wanted to say. And so that was the first time I had heard of that. I think with this, it just got so carried away. And, um, and again, the, the difference between uh, 9-11 and, and also with Sandy Hook was, with Sandy Hook, it was that much later because there was so much social media then established and so many more people were on it. And I think they were content as they, they were cranking out money because they were getting so many views and um, so much traction on that it was all false. Because they, they did that. They didn't just do it for like a day or a week. This went on for weeks. And they dug down deep on that. But I think that's and, – and this isn't a defense in any way. I just think what they really underestimated were these maniacs that actually started – continuously harassing the families and saying they were liars and actors and really going after them. So, all right, a lot more ahead on this Friday. It's the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, joining us on the right now, right now on the air, we've had him in the past. He has a book. He was an advisor to the president, a man that in some ways almost needs, needs no introduction it is the one and only Peter Navarro. Peter, it's the John DePietro Show. Welcome back, Peter Navarro. John, it's uh, really great to be back with you today. Uh, how are things going in uh, Rhode Island? Well, Rhode Island and Mass uh, continue to be blue, but there's always optimism with the uh, the rest of the country. So, Peter, if you don't mind, if you'd like to just, I'd like to start, just get your thoughts on the contempt trial uh, as far as the jury selection with uh, Steve Bannon that began. Well, that's the last thing I uh, I can talk about. Oh. Uh, as your listeners may know, 
um, I'm facing a um, misdemeanor, <laughs> which carries with it a two-year prison term. I've already been putting leg irons. And uh, my attorneys uh, do not want me discussing other cases. But okay. I'd be happy to talk a little bit about um, the circumstances that led to uh, to my situation, okay. which, uh, which are, are, I think might be interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. Talk about, if you don't mind, Peter, that was so over the top with the leg irons and the way they that you were uh, taken into custody. Well, I think I think that's the correct word, over the top. And you have to um, step back for a minute and, and and go back to when I was in the White House. I, I served. Uh, in fact, I was one of only three White House officials who was with the president all the way from the 2016 campaign to the uh, end of what we love to call his first term. Um, and he, I look humbly, uh, I did. Uh, save American lives because I was one of the uh, guys in the White House early on who recognized the seriousness of the pandemic and, and um, motivated uh, the White House to take appropriate steps. Um, I worked a lot creating uh, manufacturing jobs. You know that was my thing, trade manufacturing. And I, you know, I found myself um, when this um, so-called select committee was formed by Nancy Pelosi, um, uh, an obvious partisan witch hunt. Um, uh, when when they began putting out uh, their illegal subpoenas, um, I was put in a situation where the president, President Trump, invoked what's called executive privilege. And um, as I have said from the outset of this whole process, it's not my privilege to waive. And I, I, was, I was caught between the dispute between Congress and the White House, essentially. And the law, as I read it, clearly comes down um, on my side in this, in the sense that uh, executive privilege, is it goes back to George Washington as something that's critical to effective presidential decision-making. And ironically, the Department of Justice itself has over 50 years of policy and more than a dozen memoranda that support the idea that folks like me at the highest levels of the White House shouldn't be uh, forced by Congress uh, to come testify before them. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's the dispute. Um, it's it's going to be... Uh, settled now in um, in a trial uh, down the road but what was interesting uh, John is that this this is uh, it's a misdemeanor it doesn't involve any fraud nobody's ever accused me of any violence uh, particularly on Capitol Hill on January 6th uh, there's none of that going on and the way this should have been handled was with what's called voluntary surrender. In other words, they issue the arrest warrant, they call me, and they say, um, here, show up, show up uh, in court, and we'll, we'll get this done, right? Now, instead of doing that, they went, the, the, the total, they, went, they just went full metal jacket on me. And the irony, John, is I sit here and talk to you, I'm literally looking out the window at the FBI building, my 
my the FBI building is literally a field goal uh, away. <laughs> wow! I mean, I could and I was all field goal kicker in my in my um, high school days, and I could literally kick a field goal. Uh, that this is that's how close the FBI building is, and so instead of um, doing doing the courtesy of calling me and say, "Hey, just voluntary surrender." Um, oh, by the way, we know you're going to Nashville on Friday to do a TV show. Maybe, maybe it's okay to come in on Monday, right? That's kind of what they should have done. Right. <laughs> they, they let me, they, I eat breakfast. They, I get, get in an Uber. I get all the way to the airport. I sit around for an hour waiting to get on the plane. And then when I, you know how people, you, you go in, you give the ticket, you walk in the jetway there yep. between, uh, the, the, the gate and, the, and that's where you have five FBI agents armed to the teeth. Wow. <laughs> Go after a 72 year old guy who weighs 145 pounds. Um, and, you know, it was, I mean, look, um, if you put yourself in my shoes, it's like handcuffs. Uh, they take me back to my home. Oh, except not my home 40 yards away to the FBI <laughs> get fingerprinted then I, I wind up like 20 minutes later in this like dungeon at the courts um, in leg irons in a strip search well, that was kind of wow. fun yeah, yeah so the leg irons are kind of interesting I, my, my, I, I joke now that it's it's like I'm hoping they were at least uh, made with American steel. You know, it's like me being the buy American guy. Maybe the government brought some made America leg guys. But yeah, they they're like strips. They strip searched me. That was fun. You wow. get roped, and then they put these leg irons on. The funny part was like the, the, the guard. He was like a third my age, nice guy. But he's like walking down the hall to the cell, right, inspecting me to follow. At his pace, and you, you, you can, you know, you can't, you have no stride when you're in leg irons. You kind of like clunk along, and I'm going, what? what? And they stick me in a cell, um, they're, and they're proud of this somehow. Oh, John Hinckley was there when he shot President Reagan. Okay, great. It's like, okay, Navarro, the guy in the White House, saved lives, created jobs, wow, for the Constitution, is in the same cell as. Inkley. Now, I would be remiss at this point not mentioning uh, DefendPeter.com. DefendPeter.com. That's my uh, legal defense fund. Great. And if your listeners uh, would would be moved by any of this, just check it out. Now, just small donations. But the punchline here is that, John, I've already had um, costs over $400,000 oh, so far. God. This is like a million dollar for a misdemeanor, mind you. Oh, wow. It's a misdemeanor that comes with a two year prison sentence, I might add. Um, so, you know, this is where this is where things stand. And, and what's interesting is that the only the only two people going to trial for this um, are the two China Hawks from the White House, right. which, which I find interesting. That's well, right. You guys like. Ben and I are the only two guys um, who ever got sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party. They, they, they did it like four minutes into Biden swearing in. And we're also the only two guys that are threatened with prison terms 
from the U.S. Congress. So, you know, like strange bedfellows. <laughs> and Peter, you wrote... And I'm not sure this is a coincidence. Yeah, well, and you wrote the book. And again, folks, speak with Peter Navarro. You wrote the book, Death by China. So that's not... I mean, people way, can... Way back when. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Peter, in... Yeah, wait, one other thing, speaking go ahead. of books, just so folks kind of... Yeah, if you go to PeterNavarro.com, you can see all this, but... but uh, Taking Back Trump's America yes. is is the new book I've written. It's available on Amazon, Taking Back Trump's America. And the reason, John, why it's important is that we're, we're now in a collapsing economy. I am the poster child for a two-tier system of justice where violent felons and Antifa people roam free while former White House advisors get uh, arrested and put in leg irons. Wow. And the Taking Back Trump's America book really is uh, the blueprint and battle cry to do two things. First, we've got to take back the Congress, the House of Representatives, from the Pelosiites. These people are out of control. Yep. Even as they weaponize the investigatory powers of Congress in an unconstitutional way, they are, by the way, destroying our economy. We've got to get them out of there. And then in 2024, we've got to get uh, Trumpism back in the White House. Just It just has to happen. Because I can tell you, I was there for four years. The policies we adopted created the best economy in modern history. And Biden and Pelosi and AOC and Schumer and Lion Adam Schiff and little Jamie Ratkin, all of those scumbags, and they are scumbags, have destroyed the U.S. economy, their frame, the democracy and political system, and they're high and mighty about it all. Yeah. So let's, you know, throw these rascals out. Folks, again, he is the one and only Peter Navarro. Peter, great to talk to you. I'm so sorry uh, that you had to go through that, but justice will prevail. WNRI, one socket.